what's up people uh welcome to uh my podcast the geet kosla podcast uh, <laughs> uh this is the first uh episode uh so um yeah bear with us uh there's gonna be a little bit of background sound in it some weird stuff uh, technical stuff but it's gonna be fun uh, this first episode was with uh, Anne-Sophie Allop. Uh, I hope I got the last name right, Anne-Sophie. <laughs> Sorry if I didn't. Uh, she's uh, a lawyer, a journalist. Uh, she's had a radio show for a while. She's also on TV a lot in Denmark. And this episode was all about um, getting a download uh, from her for, for people like me who live in Denmark, who live in Europe and speak English. We don't speak uh, Danish. Uh, but besides that we dug a little deeper into a bunch of uh, different things around sort of what the policy around COVID has been as well as uh, you know she's she's awesome she's great she's uh, very knowledgeable and uh, i hope she enjoyed it because i'd love to have her on again uh, and i think there's a lot we could explore she's um, super well traveled uh, and uh, there'll be links on everything uh, that she mentioned in the show notes um, linking to her website and linking to her her podcast and everything else that she's doing her her content um but hey uh thank you so much for everybody who's going to be listening to this uh this is a fun little project i'm starting i hope uh it's going to be fun for you guys too because it is for me and uh yeah it's, it's just awesome i have to really thank uh, a bunch of people that who without whom this wouldn't have happened um sunda media they're fucking awesome the guys uh simon and sebastian uh i'll link their shit as well they're doing all the video and helping me with everything uh, and that's really cool and also I'm using the space the, the stuff you see in the video is of uh, Frank management the guys doing some awesome stuff uh, there as well thank you so much guys without you guys it wouldn't have happened I really appreciate all the help and it's so cool when you meet people who just help you out and stop fucking wasting your time with all the other bullshit in this world so yes this is the first one I was bloody nervous but Anne-Sophie was great and we had a really good time and yeah i mean uh, there's gonna be more coming out people so stay 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 tuned follow me wherever you want to follow me and we'll see what we see take care have a good one ciao ciao stay safe be happy and don't touch other people during the covid times ciao ciao How do I pronounce your last name? Anne-Sophie? Elab. 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 Well, in Danish, it's Elab. Elab. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, first of all, for coming on our My, My Little pleasure. Podcast. This whole thing came about because I was like looking at the whole COVID stuff and what's happening and the world going crazy around me and all of us. And, and every time I came with the news on DR or TV2 or whatever, I was like, okay, I kind of get it because I'm learning Danish, but mm. I'm like, my wife has to translate everything for me. And right. I'm sure there's a bunch of friends as well that are in the same situation or whatever. And I said, it could be fun to have you on, but maybe we should give a little background on you first. Right. Um, it says you, you're a journalist, but you also had, had a I'm radio a show. Yeah. So. Right. I'll let you talk. Well, I, I'm uh, originally a lawyer okay. uh, with a master's degree in international law. And I spent uh, quite a few years working just uh, as a lawyer, but in um, uh, international affairs. Mainly I've worked uh, for uh, the European Commission. I've also worked uh, politically, but uh, with international affairs. And then um, I had kids and then I started writing novels. Yeah. And then I started writing articles and that kind of uh, turned my existence into more sort of communicative um, mm. journalism. And uh, then I became uh, the foreign affairs editor and uh, presenter if in the uh, now closed Radio 24-7. Yeah. Um, and, and you and had a show there and that's where yeah, you had me on yes, for a little segment. Foreign affairs uh, yeah. show. <laughs> And and then uh, now I'm I work independently and I work for different media, yeah. um, and uh, I work uh, mainly I write and, and appear on, on TV yeah. uh, as and a as a commentator politically. And that's why I kind of reached out to you as well because mm. I mean I don't know how we connected about you sort of said hey uh, someone told me that they're doing this story on people killing themselves or falling off because of selfies in India and stuff like that. Remember that was a story <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of years yeah. ago. And I was like. 
she someone from india comment like okay sure i'll come on talk <laughs> yeah but i was really impressed with the questions and i was like okay wow i mean i'd been in denmark for a little bit then coming and going and i was like okay you know this woman she clearly knows what she's doing and the and her english is great and you know i was like it's a radio Thank show you. and danish radio show i wasn't mm -hmm. sure uh but i was super impressed and we just kept in like facebook yeah. touch and then i saw you on tv actually talking about the whole covid thing on i think it was it dr or tv2 i'm not sure mm -hmm. one of those and i said great i gotta have her on because i'm sort of starting this <laughs> this very personal <laughs> podcast project which you know we don't know what's going to happen or how long it's going to last but I, i'm just going to invite friends and people that i know that are doing fun stuff so i know your country quite well I've yeah but tell me because you started you said like <laughs> you, 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 you sort of said spoke some hindi Right. right as soon as you came in and i was like wait a minute <laughs> you're surprising me <laughs> already that's impressive but yeah. so talk to me about uh, the delhi connection no, and also I've, I, when i was 30 may, many years ago i just i had uh, ended a contract in africa and i was exhausted mm. we had done an election in africa it was it was a lot of work and well, like I, an election or like an election what are we talking like about? we had done like a national election <laughs> wow. like the office i was working in had supported the, the wow. national um electoral uh, commission and uh, it was we had worked so hard mm. and i was just exhausted and i didn't really know what to do next and i visited a friend in india and i, I just kind of cancelled my return ticket and stayed nice and then i you know that it turned into a lot of friendships with uh, people in delhi and then i kept coming back oh amazing wow. and uh, and i've just spent m many many months uh, in delhi and then i uh, applied for a, a job uh, in the european commission in uh, nepal which is okay. neighboring country yeah culturally somewhat similar mm. and also language wise uh, similar they speak odd right compared to <laughs> the hindi but you know different yeah. but fine yeah. uh, so i spent some time just around the end of the civil war mm. in uh, nepal also so i know this south asian culture uh, yeah. semi well okay that's mm -hmm. amazing i mean you don't come across that very often uh here of people who are sort of so well versed in sort of the indian sort of south east uh, south asian culture mm -hmm. so it's also refreshing to sort of come like wait a minute <laughs> what's going on i love it i yeah. i love india i mean it it uh and i'm sure the nepalis will, will I mean, forgive I, me to say i, I prefer delhi to uh yeah. to any day well, the it's thing very is, i mean i was born in great city i was born in delhi but then we moved all over the country so i mean we've lived in a bunch of different parts of india my, my family um but yeah delhi does have great food it has some good spots but like and any fun people exactly like yeah. any but it's a massive city right it's got right. i don't know whatever 30 it's billion 20 crazy. 20 million people whatever uh mexico city yeah. size kind of and so it's it's chaotic it's crazy so if yeah. you're used to that it's great yeah but if you're not then a I friend of mine says sophie here we've got chaos but we've got peace <laughs> there you've got peace yeah, but you've got chaos yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> smart friend <laughs> yeah. uh, um, no, mm -hmm. but uh, so run, I mean, because I was interested uh, a little bit of background uh, on sort of the whole 24 seven to to how do I say it to for you? Right. To sue, whatever. Yeah, to sue. There mm -hmm. we go. Right. Uh, that channel, because um, I mean, because I know you and I know, have another friend who has Electronista show there mm -hmm. as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christina. Yeah, yeah. Christina. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, forgive She's me, Christina. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, we used to sit in the same sort of space. Uh, uh, co-working member oh, space right. in the city city great. so she's she's great mm -hmm. she also has a very good india connection so <laughs> i know we actually know oddly the uh, same person okay. out there oh that's awesome uh, yeah independently it's so weird oh cool okay mm -hmm. now you know one more so yes. there we go <laughs> um no but tell me what happened to the channel because you had a show and she had a show mm -hmm. and then i mean all of a sudden everything stopped and like or maybe all of a sudden to external yeah. people what happened with that Nobody really knows what happened. Okay. Uh, one can uh, safely say it was not a, it was not a, it was an unseemly process. Mm. Uh, it was not a very tr transparent process. Okay. But uh, basically, what happened was that uh, when the eight-year term was up and the radio twenty-four-seven had sort of outperformed all criteria. Mm. Um, 
and we were to renew a contract potentially with the state because uh, Radio 24-7 was created as a public service Got it. channel sure. uh, that was uh, to challenge the P1, the P1 that yeah. had become maybe a little bit stale in its tracks and, mm. you know, we were created to challenge and renew the, the, the medium of talk radio. And uh, we basically knocked the ball out of the park. It was uh, we outperformed all the criteria. We lowered the the listeners' age also. And uh, generally, P one is is very much uh, for educated people that are a little older and centered around the capital. Uh, and we were able to uh, fully uh, bridge sort of the two parts of Denmark. So West Denmark listened as much as, as Eastern Denmark. We were able to lower the age, average age of the listener. Um, we were able to broaden when we started, like 700,000 people listened to uh, radio every week. When we ended, it was uh, 1.3 million uh, that listened every mm. week. So it was... We we really met the criteria uh, that we were supposed to uh, in terms of fulfilling yeah. uh, that uh, contract with the state. But when the eight years were up, yeah. um, some political parties, they uh, arranged the specifications of the new uh, licitation, public licitation, such that it was very unfavorable to the media institution that was running 24-7, the radio station, to be a bidder in the process. They, in fact, rearranged it uh, such that uh, it was very favorable to another big media institution mm. because they wanted to place, uh, the, essentially move the uh, headquarters of the radio to another part of mm. the country, namely Jutland. Okay. Um, and so faced with the, an unfair competition situation, the Berlingske media decided not to bid. And what happened was that the DF, that was sort of uh, primarily, they were, they were driving this, uh, the, the Danish People's Party on the, on the right uh, of center, uh, were driving this effort um, along with the Social Democrats, but the Social Democrats had sort of, uh, they had withdrawn from the, go the negotiations, but the Social Democrats wanted, you know, all of the radio to go to Jutland. Um, so it was the DF and the Social Democrats they were pushing. Um, and at one point, the Social Democrats took themselves and left the negotiations. But so it was the DF that sort of decided to put uh, that kind of geographical criteria. When then we withdrew and somebody else came in and, and, and did the bidding and, you know, now have the station, it became like a huge problem politically, you know, if, in terms of opinion polls, it was very, um, it was very damaging to mm. the, the Danish People's Party. They, they slid in the polls. They, there was other things uh, assisting that slide, but, you know, they... Um, they went down, and in fact, they are way down still. They had a, a very, very bad election also. Mm. Um, and that uh, reinvigorated some sort of uh, strategy to maybe save uh, the, the, the radio station 24-7 in other ways. So somebody came up with another sum of money uh, that were supposed to uh, go to a new licitation that could salvage the, um, the, the station. And we did a new bidding and sort of uh, cut cost and, 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 and participated in that licitation. Somebody else also participated. And um, the, the great scandal is how that evaluation of those two offers on the licitation, mm. in fact, took place. And the truth is nobody knows. Okay. And but we there are a lot of question marks. Yeah. Um, and the new station is in effect. I participated yesterday in a program, and it was a fine program. Um, but unfortunately, the new station almost doesn't have any listeners. Uh, often, you can't even measure that they've had any. And why is that? Because it is uh, it is a, not on the FM tape. It's a DAP uh, solution, and it's very difficult to find. I think, and and people are not pulled in yet. Yeah. They might be able to pull that off. Who knows? Yeah, and 
from there sort of you're you're writing a lot for Bellings these days right uh, and and yeah. it, so I mean you mentioned them earlier Bellings and Media mm -hmm. is that the group that owned yes uh, they were running 24 7 okay. yes and now you and now you sort of do some writing and for now them. I'm I work independently I'm a, a commentator for Berlingske and I write in in several other media I write for yeah. uh, sometimes for Politiken on, on Monday I had a, a thing in Politiken and I, I write for uh, information sometimes Great. and for Raison, uh, okay, so that's a magazine and you write you know, for some <laughs> other uh, places. You write for the good ones. Great. So. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, I um, have just taken over a radio show on uh, the podcast over that's called Podimo. Sure. And um, which is a history show, okay. which is awesome. yes, which Great. is interesting. It hasn't premiered yet. No, okay. not with me. That's good. And um, and do some other things. Great. Mm. Now that we know who you are, <laughs> a little better <laughs> at least, yeah. uh, what you've been involved with for the past couple of years. Um, how do you think the current government has handled the pandemic and everything around it? What is your Oh, that's Take such a loaded it. question. I think I'll let you answer it the way yeah, you like, but I mean, yeah. you can answer it any way you like. But for me, it's just because there's, I mean, mm. my interest is two part. One mm. part is to clarify in as much detail as we can with the time we have today, mm -hmm. you know, what, what non-Danish speakers that live in Denmark, what they should think about, what they should look at, because there's a few of us uh, who live in the country and we have a couple of places to go to for right. information, but not many. Right. So I'd, I'd love for this to be uh, a little artifact that they can check out. Uh, so right, an, anything, yeah. anything that, you know, they should look at. And mm -hmm. we can do another one later on if there are some <laughs> updates or whatever, as you as you like, uh, if this ends up being fun right, <laughs> right. for you. Uh, but yeah. Um, well, this is a baptism uh, um, on fire, right? Mm. Uh, for the um, for the government. Um, the government, in effect, sort of had a very peaceful, tranquil existence, yeah. uh, and uh, also, in fact, shown uh, to the the nation that they had good time. They had four years, and they were not that much in a rush. Mm. And also assisted by the fact that the the opposition, the the right wing parties, have virtually imploded. I mean. Uh, in own sort of struggling between themselves in the party of uh, the Liberal Party of Venstre, and uh, and in fact just not a very strong opposition, historically weak uh, opposition. So the government has sort of trailed along, um, had a very easy uh, life up until the the COVID. And um, my personal opinion uh, is that uh, they were right in closing the the country down. Uh, locking it down it's a it's a scary virus it's definitely not a flu no. um, but in parts of the population it is not more dangerous than the flu so if you're a healthy young individual and you don't have other sort of comorbidities it is not a scary and dangerous virus but for people that are older or frail uh, it is a scary um, virus and it has a higher mortality than the flu yeah. Um, when you are within those groups of the population. In fact, it is it is very low if you're a child, if you're young, uh, extremely low uh, mortality. Also, maybe even compared to the flu. Nobody knows exactly yet, but, you know, it looks like it. Um, but, so I understand locking down um, to, to gain sort of like a footing, you know, what's going on, how fast is this spreading, mm. um, what's happening to the hospitals, etc. cetera. Um, and from there on, I think there's a lot of things to criticize. And, you know, I'm, I'm cr I've been criticizing them and, and it's already become very mm. religious in sort of the, the debate between the Danes. Um, and I've uh, written, it really sort of, propels my sarcasm <laughs> really <laughs> I, I really as I've, I've been writing some pieces where i've been very scathing on yeah. the situation because i think it, it propels my sarcasm and humor really yeah. uh, because it's become so it's so ceremonial with the press conferences and you know every everyone saying don't speak we must let the government work right 
Mm. Um, but, you know, from there on, I think there are things that could have been done better. But I recognize that this is a very difficult territory politically to work within. You know, it's new uh, and it's, it's a virus that we don't know very much about, etc., etc. I think that transparency could have been uh, much uh, more emphasized by the government. I think countries like Germany and, and Norway, in fact, are exemplary in terms of how transparent they've been. What? Could, you, um, could you explain that? Norway, um, they came out with uh, just an example of, of what they did in terms of transparency. They had, uh, they pulled in, for instance, economists uh, calculating the, the cost of, of different, uh, sort of the human cost and the, the society cost of different levels of lockdown society, um, which is uh, almost... It is almost, uh, I mean, it's like a capital crime almost in, in Denmark to suggest that, that, that things have to balance. But they uh, pulled in this, uh, this group of economists uh, to, to compile what kind of cost, uh, related cost a lockdown has. Um, which I think is very transparent. They've also been extremely transparent all in, in general to put forward uh, their calculations, their assumptions, the basis of, of, uh, on which they make assumptions. Uh, Merkel, one of the first things she said to the, the German population, she said this is the most dangerous or more difficult time that we have faced, maybe even since the Second World War. We have to do this together, but I promise you that whatever i know you are going to know you know we will we will put it forward because we are democracy hmm. and i think we could have we could have been more like those two countries uh and that would have been good hmm. for the process i think there's also been some very unfortunate sort of um friction between uh, the government at the political level and the health authorities. Yeah. I think that's been not very flattering uh, to look at. What, what, is, what, what would that be? Um, like, for instance, there's been a leak from mm. the Security uh, Council of the, of, uh, of oh. the state. Okay. Um, and the leak uh, put the health authorities' uh, representatives in an unfavorable light. So one can speculate where the leak came from. Uh, the government has stated they're not going to investigate that leak. Um, and it also put themselves in a, in a much more favorable light than, um, than, than the health authorities. Mm. And, and you know, that's just an example of some of the friction that's just not been very I becoming. Uh, and, and then we have, you know, opening up uh, the society... Um, or maybe before getting into that, the other thing I think has been uh, almost so embarrassing that I can hardly speak about it. <laughs> it's, the obsession, about it. <laughs> it's the obsession we've had with Sweden, you know, in particular, and yeah. other countries in general. Um, I saw a minister of government the other day uh, tweeting a, a, a compilation of, of uh, the, the spread of the virus in the U.S. and calling it mind-blowing. You know, this is a minister of the Danish That's government. That's an interesting word. It's, it's, it's just, you know, I don't know what the intention behind that was, but it's just not very uh, dip diplomatically savvy, I would say, to treat one of your key allies, the mm. U.S., like that. Also, it uh, really does not um, take into consideration that right now the U.S. is not doing that bad. You know, there might be a crazy president uh, who has definitely not done much to enlighten people in this situation. Understatement. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe on the contrary. But, you know, they, if you look at vast, so the vast center of the U.S., the virus is not very spread out. And so, in, in fact, the U.S. on average, I think, is doing marginally better mm. than, uh, than, than we are in, in Europe, right? Mm. 
and also the local authorities are not that bad you know they, so the u.s has the federal government but then they have all the other governments that are sort of mitigating the effect of the federal yeah. government and i mean i'm not a political pundit by mm. any means but mm -hmm. i mean i'm just like i think what you're just saying is very it's a good way of putting it because there's nuance to everything there yeah. is no black and white no. there's no oh yeah, uh, trump is terrible yes I'm, i mean i don't like the guy i'm not american i don't really you know it doesn't i'm not voting for him that doesn't bother me but if people i know who i respect a little bit mm -hmm. are saying some interesting things that hey he's actually doing some interesting stuff and local government as you mentioned there's there's nuance to everything that kind of just you know goes away by the wayside when you're trying to further yourself in a in a different capacity or whatever if we right. uh, how do we how we how we say that but yeah. and then there's the obsession with sweden and we have for decades and generations built a strong cooperation and a strong sort of solidarity between the Nordic countries and Scandinavia in particular. Sweden is a very important partner to us. It is a, a very important partner in terms of European politics, key partner, Norway is not in Europe, obviously. So Sweden is uh, sort of culturally compatible to with us. Uh, we are neighbors. We see eye to eye in many things. Sweden is such an important so foreign politically, such an important partner to Denmark. Um, and the fact that we have, um, I mean, the public opinion, the press, and even sort of the way that the politicians speak uh, about us uh, has sort of it has had such an obsession or sort of such a uh, an antagonism to Sweden and the way they've chosen to deal with this. Mm. Um, I wrote about this relationship very early on. I said, now we're going to have another battle of this, the, 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 law, the ongoing Danish-Swedish feud. Mm. And, um, and the... The, within this battle, we are going to think and hope that at one point we can think, yes, the Swedes weren't Danish enough. <laughs> Poor them. What is that? Right? <laughs> Poor them. <laughs> <laughs> Again, they had a you know reason to uh, to regret that they simply weren't Danish enough. Now, the funny thing is, the Sweden doesn't really look at Denmark, and they don't obsess around no. Denmark. It's very much a small brother complex around yeah. Sweden that we have. Swedes, they sort of look at Norway, they look at uh, Finland because yeah. they have a lot of Finns and vice versa. It's a lot of speaking Swedish speaking Finns and in Finland, uh, and they look south. They look to Germany a lot, mm. um, and Denmark is sort of like okay, well, there is also Denmark, right? But it's not like we have such an issue with Sweden, um, and that the the fact that we've looked at Sweden first and foremost, and not looked at what happened here. Uh, yeah. is also something that I think is just has uh, has been very regrettable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if we if we bring it back mm -hmm. home, let's say to, uh -huh. to Denmark to uh -huh. um, what do you think is sort of some of the some of the Im most important things that English speakers or non -Dan non Danish speakers in Denmark should keep in mind sort of in terms of moving forward? Because, of course, mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's so much that gets put out and right. google translate is my friend these days because <laughs> right. also i sort of translated your uh, yeah. bunch of articles right just to get an idea of it uh and i think there's of course uh, a couple of people talking about stuff in english right mm. there's the local which is right. a, which is a good uh, publication but i mean is there is there is there something which you think okay the headlines have 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 said some stuff okay you you know now it's one meter the distance between people and right. places are opening up and things are happening but but should we keep some things in mind that yeah yeah i mean and it really ties to, together with the last point sort of opening up the society yeah um because obviously there's been lockdown it, it has to be tempered and and we have to do it responsibly and all these things um we have a very low spread of the virus and if you look at the nordic countries even sweden uh it has not been you know we haven't been uh overwhelmed by this virus for many reasons um and maybe we were never going to be um, but you know that's aside the fact yeah. aside the fact but 
the the opening of society is is really i think it's key here because what is going on now is that we have this we've had many rights suspended we've had uh, we have a, a state i would call it an assault on private enterprise right um and that can be justified or it can be not so justified but it's an assault right it's a it's a it's dramatic uh uh, infringement on property rights in Denmark right now, hmm. um, and uh, and there is a political process around that. The government has said very clearly: this we take responsibility. This is a political decision. We do not want to leave the the uh, science with this type of uh, decision, and that's uh, their prerogative. Um, but they are sort of like little by little opening up society but right now they've cancelled the tourist season right so uh four percent of the danish workforce more or less work directly with tourists and a lot of those will go unemployed um the, the hotels all over the country are yeah, that's bleeding m- that's massive you know? yeah. um and uh and there are several other of course sectors that are still uh under under reps what i think we have to look for right now is this long-term strategic plan yeah because lockdown was something that we could do to buy time and to get like a you know an overview of the situation but it's not a it's it's not a long-term strategy so what is the long-term plan and i think uh we have to be able to pronounce and speak and say openly that this virus could be here for the rest of our lives. No. It could come up every flu season. And the flu season ends at the end of the tourist or starts at the end of the tourist season, right? So, mm. you know, whenever we might be able to open the, the borders, that's when the next flu season come in. Yeah. Um, so we have to we have to look for what is the what's the strategic plan we know that that you know not even with a vaccine this illness could could go away it might just come up pop up you know it might mutate might we might have the you know the flu the man flu and the bad flu (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and 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 that is a term of of how we live you know Mm. and then we might have a vaccine that gives us some immunity we might have a natural immunity we might have other terms of immunity that we're still investigating whether they in fact do exist why does why does the this virus hit asian people in the uk twice as much as white people in the uk well there's a lot of social Mm. in that but why does it hit the black community community in the uk four times as, as severely yeah as the white community you know is there an ethnicity component to this you know there are a lot of things that we're still investigating so you know if if i was a a dane or any citizen in this country i would look for is there a long-term plan from the government in this right now i'm not so sure okay i think we're treading water and and trying to do this and i think maybe also in fact playing politics the the social democrats uh, know that they have their key electorate among older people among people in the in the public employed in the public sector they're safe right yeah. the people paying this crisis so far are people in the private sector they're not traditionally um voting for the social democrats no no and i mean do you you mentioned earlier sort of looking at some other countries that are doing some things well and mm. sort of learning from or looking at Germany or Norway. Right. I mean, are there certain things that for the strategic plan, as you mentioned it, mm. uh, we could learn from other countries and what would that be? I th- I think there are many, uh, there are many factors in yeah. this. Or, or is we've that... Been sca- we've been, uh, basically, we've been scared with an italian scenario from the beginning and i mean the virus doesn't know borders right like i mean as we if if this has shown something (laughs) it's that sort of before you know it i remember talking to a friend who's launching a design company 
and and he has a fact his factories in china and he was like oh there's this little virus it'll go away soon <laughs> i think a couple of months Everyone ago thought so. and and my wife and and, <laughs> and we were we were in india visiting our family and uh in, in february we're like okay you know we're here now but hopefully it's all gonna be fine right and a couple of months later it's like oh okay well, we're in a different world right but look at the spanish flu even with the, exactly. the lack of uh, transport and the, you know the spanish flu took I don't know, 20, 50 million people. Exactly. I think that's, I think, of course, there's... In the entire world. Exactly. Also in Africa. And, <laughs> and, I, and I think that's also part of it, right? Of course, mm. like, there's this other side where r the other diseases aren't relaxing. <laughs> like, mm. there's there's people with sicknesses that are not being taken care of. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe Denmark's in a, in a better position than others. Right. But, but I mean, I think... What, what we need to do is that we have to learn from... We, the lockdown should have bought us that time to secure old people. There is no good practice here. Look at Sweden. They had, you know, less hassle than we had locking everything down, doing new regulations for every sector, etc. Um, that has been chaotic enough. I know, you know, from people, you know, within the hierarchy of the state, you know, in local uh, official communities, uh, that it's it's been mayhem, right? Do you, what do we do with this? Nobody knows, you know, that kind of uh, situation. But you know, if you look at Sweden, that's, that has had less of that, you know, organizational uh, hassle with the lockdown. They still haven't been able to organize the, the, the to, to save the older people. Um, and so they've had a, a tremendous uh, epidemia um, or epidemic within the elderly care homes. Yeah. And I think the elderly care homes right now, the fatalities are, are about half of all fatalities in Sweden, which is wow. a scandal. It's an outright scandal. And and yeah. but they haven't been able to do that. We don't have updated numbers in Denmark. But if you take the older people, right now about one in ten or one in eleven of the confirmed uh, COVID infected people in Denmark work in an elderly care home. And so th that's crazy. And the statistic that we have is at the end of April, I think. And at that time, it was a third of the victims, um, people who had died with the COVID in Denmark, who were residents of elderly care homes. So we've not been able to safeguard these elderly care homes. And I, I've called for sort of innovative approaches. You know, why don't we say to to the the people, the staff, you know, do you want triple salary to stay there three weeks at the time? So you test it when you go in, but you don't go out. And we have a procedure getting things in and we have, you know, like safety and we have, I mean, we try and safeguard these places. Yeah. Or why don't we talk to the elderly people? Because this is not going away. This is not like three months or half a year and then it's it's gone. No, this is, it's just, we have to, we have to be able to contemplate and sort of take in the fact that, that, for a person that has entered an elderly care home, they have, uh, on average, a year left to, to live. Hmm. Maybe they want to live that year in a different way than with full sanity and or full sanitation uh, and like no visitors and not a lot of sanity. Hmm. No, like maybe they want to have visitors. Maybe they want to be kissed by their grandparent or grandchildren. Maybe they want to have like you know that social yeah. interaction you know so should we also engage them in you know having a say in in the last part of their life that's something really important i think the psychological mm. aspect of all of this as well yeah. because of course i mean we're we're seeing result i mean sort of statistics from all over the world that sort of suicides are going up and mm. in all age groups across the board uh and of course i think the, if as you mentioned the elderly who were sort of the most affected by this uh they need a voice right yeah <laughs> like we're kind of deciding yeah. for them and i think you you're sort of being even i would say a little in a way conservative to say hey let's be innovative but in this area where we know things are going to go bad anyway mm -hmm. yeah. like there's no other alternative like let's try something because yes. this is clearly not working and it's not going to go away no. so what can you do i think it's uh it's a fair point and it and then it 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 takes me down to there are a lot of things that we're still learning obviously of this virus but we know that 
the population, the demographics of the population really has a, a big say. So is it a coincidence that it's Italy and, and Spain that's been hit as hard as they have? I don't think so. Uh, they are, along with Switzerland and Andorra, the populations in Europe, they live the longest time. They live almost the same as the Japanese, mm. a long, long time. It's the Spanish population, they've had, these are the generations that were born after the Civil War or around the Civil War. Um, they have had, um, you know, during Franco, the, the woman's role in the society was to have a lot of children. Mm. So you have siblings, you know, 10 siblings, 8 siblings, 7 siblings in those generations. You have huge generations of old people in Spain and they live long. Yeah. They live a long time. They, uh, they apparently they live, the, the they food live. is good and the weather's good and, and there's a lot of people life living is good together, and, right? So, and they yeah. live also. They have much more uh, interaction with the other generations, but they also have a different care sector. Yeah. So they have uh, people, younger migrants, uh, typically living with them or caring for them every day, and they obviously go back into the society, etc. So they they also have different way of of living. I know Spain very well because I've. I've lived there many years, but um, and Italy is similar. What has happened is that you have big generations after the war, and then as we approach modern time, uh, the fertility has dropped, and it's dropped dramatically. I mean, so much so that the demographic people, people that study um, uh, populations, they've been baffled at the at the fact that it's been able to go that low, and it's been able to go in Eastern Europe and in Southern Europe. What happens then? It hap you, know, it, you, you end up with a population where you have a big, big part of the population being old and a very small part of the population comparatively to other populations that are young. Hmm. And how does that make you uh, less or more vulnerable to the COVID, much more vulnerable to the COVID? We have a different population in Denmark. We have the youngest uh, we our mean uh, median, median age yeah. is uh, about five years younger than the Italians. We live uh, the shortest time. We have the shortest life expectancy in Western Europe. Uh, Great. Our politicians are not, you know, putting the country at halt for that fact, but that's true. Um, we also have had uh, because of uh, our good sort of care taking sector and. High employment, in fact, it has a, there has an effect also for high female employment. So the women have been able to combine motherhood and work. Um, we have quite high uh, fertility compared to other countries. So we have a different, just a different population. Sure. And also less interaction with between the generations. We have all these luxury uh, pensioners right now that sit in mansions, right? <laughs> Having a lot of money um, and a good uh, end of their life. Mm. Uh, and they're able to shelter in place. They're able to organize themselves uh, in, in a much better way than in Southern Europe. I want to switch gears a little mm. bit because I think what's what's been really exciting also sort of hear you talk so far is that you have a very Danish but also very international perspective, mm. which is sort of rare for me to come across okay. <laughs> in the people that I've met so far. Uh -huh. uh, and I think what I'd love to maybe touch on a little bit is is um, what is your perception of people who are f not from Denmark that live here, right? People mm. like me. Like, because I have a very clear view on this and we can, um, I'll talk about it. But I think there's, it's one of those countries which has so many positives mm -hmm. and then unexpected uh, negatives mixed up in it, <laughs> From in my opinion. What, what kind of negatives? But I think for me, I was very, because I've lived, um, I grew up in India and then after mm -hmm. high school, moved to, moved to France, moved, lived in Paris, lived in Germany, the Netherlands and sort of been in Europe for a while in the UK. So, I mean, I've traveled quite a bit and then, so I was like, okay, I have a lot of friends. Denmark's going to be really easy. Because, mm. I mean, like you keep hearing of how awesome the Danes are and everything outside of Denmark. And they're awesome, but it takes time to get to know people in Denmark. Mm. And I think for me, it was kind of, it's, it still is a little bit of a struggle to sort of make friends. Right. Which, and I'm like, I'm an outgoing guy. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I've, I mean, I have a lot of friends all over the world. And it's like, yeah. that's... I'm just wondering, sort of, is that the, is that the whole Yentelo thing, or or what is it? I mean, I mean, because it's it's kind of you have to really break through the ice 
or the shell or whatever you want to metaphor you want to use to get through at least that's what i felt but yeah. i mean you've lived in a bunch of countries you've yeah, come back yeah, yeah. uh you know what, what is your opinion on any of this stuff <laughs> well it's difficult mm. like if you can make friends here you can make friends anywhere <laughs> <laughs> should be a new song <laughs> we should update the <laughs> the the former prime minister in sweden um carl bild i think he said uh, about the covid he said the thing is that social uh, isolation is in our genes, you know. It's actually true. <laughs> a, f- a, f- a friend of mine who's, uh, I think he's half Finnish, half Swedish. Yeah, even and, worse. And, and, and he was like, oh, this is perfect. I feel so much more comfortable now because when I go out, people are giving me my space and, yeah, exactly. and no one's looking at me in the eyes yeah, at all. Yeah, nobody wants to kiss me or hug me <laughs> or, you know. No, I, we are, we're just a different people yeah and i think there's also a lot of there's a lot of demand on on the in the workforce you know on people we work a lot you know we yeah. um we wait, sorry, so we work a lot i thought everyone in the world thinks denmark no like has we, a very no, work-life think, balance kind of no i mean the work-life balance is that we have flexibility to go and pick up our children but then we sit and work at night yeah okay and that's and, that's uh, a, that's an important point to make because i think all my friends yeah. who are not living in denmark they're like oh i mean you get and then you, you get know, all this like freedom and parenting everything. is a different thing to 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 you know this generation we have to be vigilant we have to be there we have to stimulate we have to drive the kids all everywhere we have i mean it's just yeah. it's you said a, you have you have two kids i have two children, yeah. two children yeah. um and our parents didn't do that no. like you know back then it was fine picking up at five yeah. I mean, if you pick up from the daycare at five, you, uh, the child parent. is alone <laughs> and you're a bad parent, right? Wow. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, I mean I'm, uh, we have a 10-month-old daughter, so I'm, we're kind of in the beginning stages of it. But I mean, I'm already mm-hmm. sort of um, realizing because my, my parents are Indian and we have a very different system there, right? You have a lot yeah. of support, yeah. whether it's family or, or, yeah. or people you pay to help you, caretakers, uh and so there's there's a lot more people involved yes. in bringing up kids. And I mean, me growing up, we never n- thought about it, of course, because that's just your life. Right. But now I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, there's uh, And your wife probably says, not that many people, please. Uh, yeah, Give but me some space exactly, with the baby. Exactly. But Don't think, take the baby. The baby's <laughs> fine. <laughs> but, the, but the best thing is, right, like my, my, my at least my very personal uh, mm-hmm. situation here, my parents um, are, are very good at that. Mm-hmm. Like they'll cook the food and yeah. then they'll say, okay, bye, take care, let us know. Oh, when cute. you want so it's like i mean we, we it was great for us the first uh, was it few weeks which is extremely difficult right uh, mm. from anybody and we're first-time parents wow it was tough and yeah. and i mean i'm uh, i'm very much i mean i think it's i mean i don't know in my opinion it's just the greatest thing ever it's also the most difficult thing yeah totally ever <laughs> so so I, I and i think now what you what you touched on earlier of like you have to work as well and you have right. to i mean not have to but you want to as well and it's it is i think also in, in course uh, cultural relationships you are generally fine until you have children i mm. mean the children will re- really emphasize cultural differences yeah because you want to bring them up in you know whatever according to the principles that you find uh, natural and, and yeah. fine and and those principles are different in in our culture and and so it accent- accentuates um I have half Spanish children, okay. so I know. Mm. Uh, and while you're just you in a different culture, you're you know you're grown up, and you can easily sort of mitigate whatever things that are an affront to you. You can sort of go yeah. around those. But when you have a child that's been you know, exposed to them, you're like, okay, don't do that to my child, please. Yeah. I was like, it was. I had my first child in Spain just around the swine flu. Oh God! And uh, and she would sit there on my arm, and uh, shopkeepers, everyone would just take her out of my arms and kiss her. And I was like, don't, don't, please don't, don't kiss the baby. <laughs> Do not put your saliva on the baby's face, please. <laughs> just, uh, they would just like pull her out yeah. of my arms, you know, and she'd be like. Yeah. Um, so that was an adjustment. Now I I'm inclined to pull babies out of people's <laughs> arms. You know? So, you so they've infected me with the same. Yeah, 
and but I mean, I think it's it's crazy as well, culturally speaking, because when whenever we go back home to India, and we were luckily there just before everything got shut down, so we got to see my my grandma, and you know, um, mm-hmm. our daughter got to meet her great grandmother, <laughs> which is uh, awesome. Uh, but it is it is indeed that sort of difference. People just come up and like, you know, like touch the baby, yeah. and I'm I'm very protective. Right. Like I'm the nervous Nelly of me and my wife. Yes. Like I'm the one who's like, don't touch my daughter. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. And I mean, like I think uh, it's it's one of those things which is, I mean, India is such a big country, and you've been there a, mm. a, a bit, so you you understand. It's, I'm from Delhi, mm-hmm. but I hate most people from Delhi because I we just don't get along. <laughs> we have very different values in life. Not everybody. There's mm-hmm. twenty plus million people living in Delhi. But we left early. We left young. My family mm-hmm. and I. We were brought up on different values. Mm-hmm. We like to actually work and not be and inherit our money. We like to actually, right. you know, sort of. We have different values. Uh, the 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 brand of your underwear or car. I have no interest in that. I'm much more right, interested exactly. in. I'm much more interested in uh, or your watch or whatever. Like I couldn't give two shits about that. Mm. But unfortunately, in many parts of Delhi, that's that's the norm. And of course, I have some good friends in Delhi as well. And I'm like, why are you still here? Mm. <laughs> the city is pretty much uh, a little, uh, you know, gas furnace. Like, uh, you know, you, I mean, but it, it is, but it is. It, you are, it's, a, you know, foreign culture is like a marinade. Mm. It will seep into you with time. Yeah. And, and, and maybe that's. And a, it will leave an Im- impression. It will leave you smelling of something different. It's really, it's really funny you say <laughs> that because when I was, I was what, 17 or 18 and I moved to Germany and, uh, I drove around Germany for a bit. I went back home to India and I was driving around India. Mm. And I was like, why are we honking so much? Like I grew up driving there, but I just don't like to honk. And I would just get upset. And my family's like, what's wrong with you? Like, welcome back home. That's how we drive here. Like, you know, you've only been gone for six months. Relax, dude. (laughs) You know, just like you've grown up here. Come back, come back to life. But, but cultural, (laughs) cultural differences are fun. And I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I look forward to navigating them further now with with a child, but I, I've been doing this for mm-hmm. a bit. So, yeah, let's see how it goes. Um, I think I've, I've, I'm just looking at a couple of your articles here mm-hmm. and uh, and sort of what you've been writing for Bellingsa. Uh, and I think what's what maybe one of the final points we can touch on before we wrap is where... I mean, you talked about the strategic, uh, we need strategic action, strategic plans going mm-hmm. forward. Are there certain areas you see that happening in where, the, okay, this looks promising. I don't know if that's a, if that's a party or a person or, or, or I don't know where it is, but like, okay, like let's, let's start talking about this because this is mm-hmm. a leading indicator of something happening. I mean, I think the, the government and the authorities' uh, emphasis on, on tracing, contact tech tracing, uh, that, you know, that could be a promising way. Mm. Uh, I think it's an extremely important to uh, safeguard, the, think very innovatively around safeguarding older people. Yeah. And uh, I think we also have to have a plan for, our, for going forward right now our economy i mean i've we've never seen an like an auto destruction of of our mm. wealth yeah. as great as this i've i've never i'm baffled i i don't i've never seen anything like it um we thought the financial system was like the the jeopardizer here yeah. you know now we can see that you know you just need a, a sufficiently scared government and and they'll be able to sacrifice and they'll be ready to sacrifice a big part of private wealth um and um, i mean that in itself is going to produce a lot of friction a lot of yeah. dis- it's is a destabilizer uh, that I've, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still in a state of shock. <laughs> and I think that that we have that we in fact seeing uh, this yeah. um, occur. A lot of it, will, in, if you single out the Sioux of Copenhagen, for instance, say you you must stay closed, you must remain closed, and the Sioux says we can open very safely according to all the rules. And the government says, no, you must have, you know, you must be closed just for safety. Then that's expropriation of their income. Yeah. But they are not being uh, reimbursed according to our constitution. 
Um, and I think we just, if you look at the the organizations of our industry and our uh, trade and commerce, I mean, they're in shock. And I, I understand them mm. uh, because it, this, you cannot burn small and medium-sized uh, companies on the altar of the COVID forever. No. Uh, because the, the economic crisis is going to be so severe uh, that it, it it's going to be much more um, troublesome and destabilizing than the than the virus, and people have been every time you say we must be able to balance a response so that we can keep the society open so we don't bankrupt people so we don't weaken our private sector that's going to be able to that's what's going to take us more or less hopefully unscathed through a big economic downturn now. I mean, we have small, medium-sized companies. That's Denmark. That's what we live from. You know, don't weaken them as much as has happened. If we say that, people go berserk. You cannot, I mean, if life is, is, you know, you cannot put that into money. It's true. Uh, and that's sort of the basis of our humanism should be. Uh, that one life is a, a life and it's valuable, it's worth uh, everything. But we also have to realize that that there is an end to how much we can sort of um, ask private people to pay for this. And the, the end is that, that people will simply not open a shop, yeah. you know, or they will go somewhere else to open a shop or people will not invest or you know we it's it's a destruction of workforce and it's also a generational uh stressor because this is the younger people this is people without education that are again thrown under the bus uh, going into the future and it's i'm i'm so worried about this yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. it kind of it's i'm still I'm so worried that it makes my hair sort of stand on end. I, I'm like, I, I think it's so impactful that mm. the that the public sector can be so so much of a destabilizer. Yeah, yeah. And so, what should what should we keep in mind going forward? Now, are there sort of are are there certain um, institutions or 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 uh, newspapers or publications that are um i mean what i'm trying to what i'm trying to figure out is because mm. i would love to give people a place to sort of go and figure out what's going on on a regular basis right and i think there's just mm -hmm. i mean uh, language aside because you can go you, you can sort of you know get past that right. you know who are who are the who are the people who are doing something worth looking at or, or who are like not not making the problem worse but actually coming up with solutions is that is that the is that the medical fraternity or I mean who is that because I'm just trying to because I mean this is th there's this dance right you mm. need sort of uh, yeah. things to be medically or, or scientifically proven or not mm. where who the hell knows when that's gonna happen nobody really yeah knows. and I think then it's like you have the economic side of things mm. I have a lot of friends who own restaurants and right. work in restaurants and hotels and I mean they're just completely fucked I mean the sectors that employ young people the sectors that employ people with low education yeah are so messed up by yeah. this and it's and, and 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 that's so i mean it's such a it's such an impact i mean we're talking we're talking unemployment levels that you know back in the 90s or 80s and, and we don't and the and the cost of living is different today absolutely than yeah. it was back then so it's you know our house prices just in the city have gone up tenfold yeah. since then at least yeah and it, it yeah, I, I'm so worried. I'm just so worried. No, I don't know where to. I don't want. I don't know where to put point people to. I think, I think the the press has done a very uh, decent job. In fact, when you I, talk about the printing press, I I wouldn't uh, necessarily. I think TV two uh, news, if they speak Danish, is a is a very good channel. I think uh, the um, the printing press has yeah. has really done uh, a, a lot of good articles and have tried to 
promote that that transparency that was maybe lacking from from the beginning i think from an external perspective mm. a non-dane perspective i've been quite impressed mm. because it's like yes of course i don't understand all of it and it's great to sort of go a little in, in depth with with you now and mm. sort of look behind, peek behind the curtain a little bit but what's been really nice for me as well is that it's it's actually not a lot of bullshit it's just like they're very straight to the point they're sort of you know representing uh, transparency as much as possible mm. compared to sort of india or the us or the other countries in the world where there's i mean it's more of a show versus actual information right. uh so i mean in that sense it's great but i think it's a tough time <laughs> no doubt <laughs> understatement but uh i i do feel maybe not guardedly positive for for whatever reason i think i think it's also because um I have a I have a feeling now that I live here uh, and you know there's I mean the fact that I could talk to you mm. I just have sending you a couple of messages and we can have this conversation that gives me like okay that's great you're you're you write for these uh, institutions you I mean for these newspapers you're on TV all the time and that's that's pretty cool and that's what I like about Denmark as well and Europe in general mm. is that if you have a point of view if you want to talk about something people are like great we'll talk let's mm. let's you know it, and we're open to it mm. uh, to a certain extent of course mm. um but i mean i'm i'm worried but i'm also weirdly optimistic i don't know why uh i, th- I think no i think there's a lot of right now there's a sense this is over yeah and so there's like an acceleration yes yeah. that you know that we did it uh, the prime minister did it the government did it we did it you know it's it's gone no. but it's not gone no 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 it's not gone it's we 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 fared very well comparatively yeah it's true sweden fared worse but big parts of sweden are in fact better than we are yeah. right now in in copenhagen and so that also points to the fact that with hygiene with simple rules of 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 sort of distancing um you can promote a long-term strategic plan yeah and that plan has to be in place and it has to be able to go hand in hand with uh supporting a private industry is someone uh, is someone doing this or are there talks of i'm I mean, sure there. i'm sure someone i'm sure a lot of people are thinking yeah. how to do this best but right now um we have a few hundred thousand people sitting at home on government subsidized salaries mm. idle they're not working at one point those subsidies subsidies will end and the question is will they come back into the workforce they're likely not coming back uh, all of them and maybe not even a majority of them so what happens then you know yeah. 25,000 unemployed is uh, i think it's 0.9 i think of uh, of a percent i mean are we looking at 10% unemployment no. uh, like uh, if beginning of 90s or mid 90s or 12% i think it was 20, 12% in 94 or is it 15% I mean, can we even fathom that kind of un- unemployment? Yeah. Or is it just 8% or something? And can we relatively fast bounce back? But will there be a market outside, you know? There are a lot of people just being very faceless around this. Yes, we'll, you know, we'll ask private sector to pay this. But, we, you know, because anyway, they're going to go bankrupt because the market outside is just, you know, everything's fine. You know, but that's just not. I mean, we we have to also have be be brave enough to look at what we did. You know, we asked part of the Danish population to pay this out of their own pocket. We closed a lot of businesses that people had worked for, uh, that they had you know established, and that they that was their life and their job. We did this you know, to mitigate a threat and maybe it was worth it and maybe it wasn't worth it, but we have to have the bravery to look at what we did and to look at what rights we took away. I mean, right now the, the state can close any web page they find uh, un, inappropriate, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of the COVID. So we took away the, a lot of the, the, the whole... freedom of speech, yeah. right? We took away a lot of the right of pro- property we have also 
unhinged a lot of principles within the the health sector you know the right of saying no to further treatment yeah. the right to dying at home with your with your loved ones you know we've left people to die without saying goodbye uh, so we have we have to be able to look at this and we have to be able to have a conversation of how to go forward around yeah. this that's i think a really good place to sort of it is decisions were made mm. right mm -hmm. actions were taken yeah a lot of positive came out of it but of course you have to look at the reality of things you have to look at what happened and and now where are we truly not sort of the bullshit comparing yourself oh i'm better than you and yeah. you're better than me we're not in high Stop school Stop talking about sweden for christ's <laughs> sake and, and re-establish a good relationship with our neighbors it's very important exactly and and sort of move forward because whether we like it or not this is the world we're in now mm. and we have to find a way to, to get back to being or get back or whatever get forward whatever you want to call it sort of moving moving on and 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 realizing that yes this this virus did do a lot of terrible stuff but we're here now and i think and we haven't even touched on the unrest around the world around racism mm. and uh, you mentioned some other points uh, mm. right there as well about sort of rights you know the, the rights of people and sort of uh, all of those knowledge you know there's there's so much about this um actually i almost feel like this um pandemic has opened up a lot of big issues our society at a global level is grappling with and, and we don't have any clear answers for and we're almost forced to say oh my goodness wait a minute yeah you, you can do it. oh i had no idea that most of this is you know not clear or or so much of what's on all these web pages is, is lies or, or mm -hmm. the who changing their mind on stuff like i mean so many of these quote-unquote trustworthy mm -hmm. organizations have shown a lot of gaps in their knowledge uh and and also you know uh, a very frivolous nature with rights like rights are not they're they're not you know copy pasteable I mean, in, in fact rights are there except when they're not there exactly. that's what i mean and i think and i think what i what i what i want to take also out of this discussion for myself and the one other person that's going to listen to this uh is is that um we have almost an obligation to to sort of break through the bullshit and say what's actually going on how much of this is PR? How much of this is good media? Versus, let's actually talk about what's going on and let's mm -hmm. try to find a way out of this. And and I mean, people uh, globally look at Denmark in a positive light, and I and so do I. I live here. Mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm very very happy with being here. Um, but I think like every society, you have to sort of you know say what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Let's right. figure that out. Let's be open about this. Mm -hmm. We're human, but we need to find a way to move forward, right? Thank you so much. You're welcome. My uh, for your time, and and uh, I'll put a bunch of links up where people can find you. But where where if anyone who wants to read your stuff or look at what you're doing, where do you write most um, often, or where are well, you? I I think or I'm mostly on on Facebook. In fact, so okay. you can find me there or on Twitter. But I'm I write more on Facebook, Facebook. because you can write longer. I write yeah. longer. I'll put and your I'll um, put your link in the show yeah. notes. And then I I run like a small indie site that's called uh, Globalisten. Okay. Which is not, which is also on Facebook so far, but it might have its own site. Great. And then I have a, f a web page that's called myname.dk. What is that? And sophielarp.dk. <laughs> Thanks so much, Anne Sophie. And uh, yeah, uh, mm. hope hope you enjoyed it. We'll do it sometime again. Yes. Thanks so it was much. Lovely. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye.